Uh, hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger to Podcast. Uh, we do have some other things to talk about first. One is a listener question, the other is a retirement, but we will mention it later when it comes to you know the, the tournament that the player appeared in this week. Uh, so the question was, what uh, which Challenger match do we remember watching? Like, w- what's the first Challenger match that we remember watching? I think it was meant as a question um you know regarding our watching on on tv or on stream or whatever but we can also you know we can also add an answer uh when it comes to live if if we have any memory of that so what uh what do you think did, did was it tough for you to you know try to find it in the in your memory i i i remember it quite well um it was the 2011 slovak open final between lukas Latsko and richard Brankis. I only got there towards the end of the first set. Uh, I remember Blatsko being down in the in the first set tiebreak, uh, but then he turned it around. He won the second set quite easily. Uh, I think he actually did the double uh, that year with Jan Hayek as well, uh, won the doubles too. Uh, and then I watched Lesiatsuen uh, and Karolina Pliskova in the women's final, uh, which was a much more entertaining match because uh, it was <laughs> a lot of the entertaining part of the Latska Belankis match. But yeah, that was definitely my my first experience that I had with Challenger. So your first experience watching a Challenger match is both live and uh, well, it, it was live, not not like, actually yeah. definitely live. Okay, yeah, mine I think would be on TV because back in like the two thousand um, back in like two thousand fifteen sixteen. Uh, Polish TV used to tr- used to uh, have uh, Wrocław Challenger. I think it was even more than like only the weekend because right now, uh, in if we get challengers on TV in Poland, it's just Sunday, Saturday, may- maybe sometimes Friday. I think it used to be more, you know, but it was a long while ago, so I can't remember. And I think, um, like, I'm I'm not sure at all. I think my first match would be some of uh, Faruk Dustov's <laughs> title campaign, which is still one of the wildest. Uh, well, it, it was a very wild run at the time. I remember he was not a favorite at all uh, to, to claim that title. Uh, but he beat Steve Darcy's in the semis and Mirza Basic in the final. I think that used, that probably was one of the matches. Like the, the one I have uh, some vivid memories from would be next year when Cudinelli won it uh, over Hernich in the final. That uh, that one I definitely watched. And I think I must have watched uh, some of Dustov's title campaign too. And when it comes to live, uh, that would be in, well, the Sopot Open, but in Gdynia in 2018, and I think uh, I came there for I came there for the second and third round of qualifying. I didn't watch the first uh, the first round, so I think the first match would be uh, Dimitar Kuzmanov playing Grzegorz Panfil uh, on on court number two, and it was a great match actually. I think it ended in a deciding set tiebreak. Kuzmanov barely barely pulled through, and and then played Jan Zieliński in the in the third round and lost the game to him. Uh, and it was definitely a, a cool start. Of course, the, 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 there, there was there was plenty of crowd. I think even Jerzy Janowicz was watching the match because he was friends with Panfil and originally he was supposed to return from injuries in uh, in that tournament, but uh, then he chose not to and was just you know was just there with uh, with his girlfriend and and watching some matches. So uh, that that's that's my first memory live and uh, and yeah, in on the stream it's it's unclear. Uh, but it's definitely something on Polish TV from from the Wrocław Challenger. 
Uh, yeah, and we can uh, we can get to the usual now, I suppose. Uh, and Brest was the only Challenger 90 that we had this week. Yes, uh, and we had Gregor Barrer win the title there over Luca Van Asch, 6-3-6-3. Fifth Challenger title for Barrer, second one in October after winning Orléans. Uh, he started with a tough match against Kuzmanov, uh, winning 7-5 in the third. Uh, then beat Baby Jukev, 6-2-6-4, got a walkover from Gilles Simon in the quarters, uh, beat Borg, 6-4-6-2. Um, he moves up 18 spots to number 92 in the rankings, and he's back in the top 100 for the first time since September 2020. What did you think of Barrer this week? Yeah, uh, we mentioned this when he won Orléans, but he, right now, out of his 12 Challenger finals, he's made 11 in France, which is insane. I think most of all of them have been on no there was also a clay final but most of them have been uh in in their heart um yeah I think this is far less impressive probably than his uh, than his route in uh, in Orlean of course Orlean was a bigger event too but still it shows that Barry has been in uh, in great form recently as as we said French indoor hardcore <laughs> events are just uh, you know his playground his bread and butter uh, he was down to Kuzmanov in a, a break in the deciding set in the in the opening rounds it was actually really rough but after that he didn't struggle at all um and yeah the Vanasha matchup I think is just very nice for him whenever he's hitting this well there's just not much Luca can do without sacrificing the the control over his ground strokes and trying to play some you know tennis that he isn't really comfortable with so and he re returns to the top 100 after 25 months which I think like if if you told me in May I probably wouldn't believe it because he was back then at like 230 and it didn't seem like he was capable of that in just a few months. Yeah, for Vanash, it was an interesting run for sure, reaching his second challenger final, both in October uh, after reaching the final of Lisbon. Uh, on this run, though, he beat Stanley Kolash before taking on Nuno Borges, 7-5 in the third. Then also beat uh, Jeffrey Blancano and Yevgeny Donskoy. Up 25 spots, number 208 in the rankings for his new career high ranking. What did you think of Vanash this week? Yeah, not the strongest of runs, but we certainly have to appreciate that he, at 18, he's making challenger finals on different surfaces as well. Um, he, 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 he is getting better at executing his game, that's for sure. Uh, it's 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 kind of you know a, a funny contrast between, for example, his and uh, Fields' results in the challengers, and we still think that you know Arthur has a hundred times higher ceiling, which which is funny, but that's how the, that's simply how the the development of players sometimes works. Uh, but certainly to to grab a couple of challenger finals at eighteen is is actually a much bigger achievement that I think we usually give Vanash credit for. Uh, and and yeah, then the match the match against Borges was actually uh, pretty high quality. I thought he was only broken once by each of his opponents until Barrera, I think, which with with the serve that Vanash has is also, you know, just kind of shows you how well he was playing from the ground this this week. All right, we can get to our semi finalists. Let's start with uh, Matthias Borg, who qualified. Uh, past Bertrand and Gibodo before beating Adol Mayo 6-2 in the third. Got a walkover from Bonzi in the second round. Uh, came back from Sedan against Yellow Cells 6-7, 7-6, 6-1. Uh, 
to his first challenger semi-final this season what did you think of borg yeah i i was i remember watching that match against kibodo and i thought maybe the the yeah, the french youngster has a chance to upset him uh clearly not and <laughs> clearly borg had a, had a had a pretty good week coming for him uh seeing him at the ranking that he well maybe maybe after this week it's improved a bit but seeing him at the ranking that he was uh you know just a couple of weeks back in the in the 500 of the ATP rankings was always a bit of a shock because that's not really what his actual level not really what his talent or potential level is at all so uh glad to see that he he got at least one good run this year because i think that must be his best right yeah, he had quarterfinals in Bangalore and Francavilla Almare, but but other than that, not much, and also not much indoors, which is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I know other semifinals was also quite a surprise in Yevgeny Donskoy, uh, who also qualified in Gutierrez and Krumik to make it to the main draw. Then once he was in the main draw, some really impressive wins: six four in the third over Grenier, six four in the third over Arthur Fils. 6-3 in the third over Guinard to which is first challenger semi-final since Biela in February. What did you think of Donskoy? First challenger semi-final since Biela? First. First, oh, first sorry. Yeah. Uh, I was... Uh, all right. Uh, never mind. I got, I got faster. Anyhow, uh, yes, uh, speaking of players who whose rankings don't really fit the, the talents that they have, of course, Donskoy seems to have declined a lot in recent years. But uh, as I see, I he he wasn't really playing indoors until until this month, and he was already pretty good in Hamburg last week. So maybe this is actually the you know the way for him to rebound. Uh, Grenier win. You know, in recent weeks, Grenier has been has been a little weaker for sure. But still beating Grenier, Fils, Kinard back to back. He he was actually on track to beat five Australians in a row, from what I see. Uh, of Australians, Jesus, I was already thinking of Playford because there was a similar situation there. Five Frenchmen in a row in the in the main draw, but he he had to he had to take out Vanash and Barrer to get there. But certainly Donsko is you know sort of playing to save his career in recent weeks, and that that's a good start. Yeah, definitely with where he's sitting in the rankings, it's it's now or never. Uh, and we also had Gio Simon, who played his final challenger of his career as he uh, says farewell at the Paris Masters, probably in the first round to Andy Murray. He actually withdrew after two rounds and he got two decent wins, the locally 6-2-6-4 and Arnaldi 6-2-6-2. Uh, withdrew from the match against Barrere. I'm not sure what the issue was there. Uh, uh, in, I... in the in the PDF, it's signed as draw. Uh, draw. Jesus, I, I keep thinking about another another thing that I will want to talk about in a second, and then and then I keep saying something completely different uh, back. Mm, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it's okay to to have a decent match to to end on in Paris. Um, yeah, he he wasn't much of a challenger player before the last. <laughs> Two seasons. He he. I think well, I think he only won two titles on the Challenger Tour, both in Numea back in two thousand and five and two thousand and six. Um, I think we'll sort of remember his Challenger Tour as uh, quite disappointing. Once he sort of dropped down to our to, to our level, he wasn't able to uh, really impress at all. But yeah, how will you remember Gilles Simon? 
Uh, yeah, uh, from what I see, he actually has just a 52% win rate uh, in his career on in Challengers, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, he he destroyed it in recent years, that's for sure. Uh, it's a 10-22, I think, uh, in the past couple of seasons. Uh, four quarterfinals so so I don't yeah I I don't think I saw Shil Simon live in any challenger he was never really going deep in the ones that we that we saw on stream uh four quarterfinals this year but yeah lost lost to Pospisil lost to Guinard very easily as well lost to De Jong didn't really threaten in any of these matches as you said he he withdrew maybe he's just trying to you know, get get all his possible, also just gather all the power that he has left and go into into Paris like that. Although I, I saw a tweet from him where he said that uh, where he 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 posted a photo with Hurkacz and Craig Boynton, and he said last practice session. I was happy to share the court of these two gentlemen one last time. So so what if he beats Mari, then he doesn't practice even in. You know, before the before the next match, I mean, I don't know. Is he he's just so certain that this is his this is his last match? I, I don't know what to think about this. I, I mean, I mean, but, but Barry has a sixteen to two head to head against him. So yeah, that, that's true. But still, you know, the, the last match was in two thousand sixteen, and um, yeah, it, it is a very different situation now for them coming in. They're, they're different players. There could uh, be a chance. There could he, be a chance. He was quite good at the French Open, which you know, obviously, yeah. made the third beat Karen Yabusta. That was, you know, it felt like his farewell tournament, but then obviously it was it was his last French Open. Um, it seems like yeah. he can mo- he can motivate himself when whenever he has like the you know the the, the chance to go for an ultimate run. Uh, so I, I'm actually quite excited to watch it. Uh, and by the way, I did get to see Gilles Simon live, even though not in a challenger, in Marseille 2020. And he was super fun to watch. Like he he plays chess on on a tennis court, I think. And he he beat Medvedev in that in that run, which was which was a huge win, a big surprise. Even though he well, he often had a had a great matchup against him. I think he he leads him like three and one in the head to head. Only losing this year on on grass, uh, but but that was that was pretty fun to to watch. He was also uh, like he he pushed Ojeda Asim in the semis there. Uh, definitely a player. Even I maybe if I didn't even uh, you know enjoy watching him that much. Usually I I definitely had a lot of respect for. Yeah, uh, I think my ultimate Josimo memory will be that one match against Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open. Hundreds and first errors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, insane match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he he pushed into five sets in that match. But <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's I think like the first Josimo match that comes into my mind when I when I think of him. And we can move on to the doubles where Viktor Durasovic and Otto Virtanen. Took the title for Vitan in his first challenger doubles title for Durasovic, his second. Both were with Finnish players, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and in the final, they beat Filip Berjavi and Petros Tsitsipas. So, who was the the other Finn? I think Niklas Salminen. Uh, that uh, that, I, make, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, they they played quite a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that was him. We can move over to Playford, where we had Rinki Hijikata win the title 6-1-6-1 over Ryo Noguchi. Uh, his debut title started with two pretty solid wins over Sekulic 6-2-6-2 and Ajit Rai 6-3-6-2. Uh, then he had to come back from a set down against Duckworth, 
4-6-6-1-6-2. And in the last two matches, he only dropped four games. 6-1-6-1 against Purcell as well before beating Noguchi with the same score. Up 33 spots, number 159, his new career high ranking. What did you think of Rinki this week? Yeah, uh, I, after dropping that opening set to Duckworth, he just turned on a completely different level, I think. Yeah. Uh, of course, the, the, the draw in play for it was fairly weak, but still, to, to do it the way he did was, was far, was quite impressive. Uh, we, I think we sort of expected it's that's these sort of things from him at the beginning of the year when he was around just winning every ITF he played. And then in the challengers, it, it hasn't been great for him. Just uh, a couple of semis, Columbus and Morelos, I think. So yeah, for, for Rinky to do it here is, 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 uh, just, just excellent. And yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not surprised he won the title, of course, because, well, he was one of the favorites, but I'm definitely surprised that he did it this way, just totally demolishing his, his couple, his semifinals. And it, it shows that even if, you know, sometimes he can look, you know, he, 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 I, I don't kind of, I don't really know what to say. Like he, he plays with this, uh, big pace when he wants to, but it's often so feel, filled with so many errors. But this was, this was really a week when his, when his style peaked, when his style peaked. Uh, I'm not sure about the, the first couple of matches because honestly, play for it is, uh, yeah, Australian time zones are, are probably the worst for me, even worse than Asia. So, uh, my, yeah, my, my watching was a little, uh, you know, hampered by this. Uh, but near the end of the week, he was just in total demolition mode and yeah, destroyed a couple of players who were, you know, actually seemed like they were also going so well this week. Mm. Yeah, for, for Noguchi, it was his first challenger final, his first time past the second round, uh, and he had a pretty impressive run, started by beating Puttergill, 6-up, six 6-3, six came back from the sit-down against Luke Saville, 2 win 7-5 in the third, took out Jordan Thompson, who was both of our picks, 6-1, six 6-4, six before beating Omar Jassica, 7-6, seven 7-5, six seven up 44 spots, number 202, also his new career high ranking. What did you think of Noguchi? Yeah, not sure what happened there in the Thompson match. I didn't watch it. Uh, but Noguchi was like 28 and two, I think, in his last uh, 30 ITF matches, winning four 25Ks. Most of them weren't too strong. I think two of them were in Portugal and two of them were in Japan. So the Japanese ones were, of course, uh, significantly weaker. Uh, but still, this was an insane run. He also won that match against Ramanathan at, uh, at the Tokyo ATP 500. And then he didn't actually play until Playford. So, uh, this, this is just an insane run for him. I think before the, before Playford, he only had a couple of, uh, challenger appearances this year and both times he lost in actually, no, he was okay. Yeah. The, the, this needs to be talked about. He played eight challenger qualifying, uh, tournaments at the beginning of the season and made it through just once in Bangalore. Uh, other mm. than that, he was constantly losing in the qualifying. Yeah, and th- then caught that insane form on the on the ITF tour. So, yeah, he he didn't stand a chance against Hijikata at all in the final, but still, he's currently like uh, almost in the top two hundred. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is a rapid rise. This is going to allow him, of course, to play Australian Open qualifying. Whether he has the game to stay there, well, I guess we shall see. Mm. 
Let's get to our semifinalists, starting with Max Purcell, who beat Jeremy Jin, uh, Colin Sinclair, and Sue, 6-4 in the third there, to reach his first Challenger semifinal since September 2021 in Columbus. Any thoughts on Purcell? Yeah, this is a little bit like Noguchi, where he he seemed to be in very good form reaching the, the semifinals, and then was just absolutely destroyed by, by Rinki. <laughs> Uh, but I think together with the with the Busan run, where he by the way beat Hijikata just just a week earlier, in in a in a thrilling clash. I can't remember how many match points he saved there, but uh, but but somehow somehow it happened, and I guess it just shows how good Rinki was actually this week. Uh, you know that that it allowed him to destroy Purcell and Noguchi like that in the in the semis and the finals, but certainly a a bit of a positive spike in Purcell's results. Yeah, and we also Omar Jessica reached the semis, uh, breaking a three-match losing streak. Uh, took out Whitehouse, Ellis, and Dane Kelly on straight sets uh, to reach his third challenger semifinals since September started. What did you think of him? Uh, yeah, it's just, I I don't know. My concentration is today uh, is terrible today. I keep getting I keep getting somehow just uh, stunned by by the questions or, or by something. Whether I I'm not even sure what. Anyhow, Omar Jessica, yes, uh, of course we talked about him a lot in Nontaburi when he had that uh, great stretch of only losing to Kazoa for a couple of events. Um, I didn't even know that he lost in a couple of Australian futures first rounds since then. Yeah. And yeah, Blake Ellis, who by the way was his yeah was his rival again this week. Um, you know, the, as as we said before, Playford didn't really have the strongest of draws. I think only Kelly is like a you know a, a win that is really um, something for Jessica at this point. Uh, but still, definitely, th- these are very important points for him because he's also like on the verge of securing his Grand Slam qualifying uh, spots. Uh, you know, without a wild card, I'm not sure if if the Australian Federation would be willing to give him a wild card after after the cocaine ban and and after all that. So that you know, it could be huge for him to secure that just you know um, without having to rely on anyone on anyone else and the australian challengers are of course a huge opportunity for anyone to gain points because the yeah, not many players are outside the continent are willing to travel there all right uh and in the doubles we had beal and puttergill uh win the title over Rianoguchi and takahashi for Noguchi, it was his first match won in a main draw doubles at the challenger level we can move over to las vegas where we had tennis sandgren uh, out of qualifying winning the title over stefan kozlov his fourth challenger title first one since may 2017 in savannah he started with beating mccormick and bernard in qualifying came back from a sit down against fancelo uh, beat Pennington Jones, uh, then came back from a sit down again against Brandon Holt, took out Yuching Shang in the semis, up 158 spots, number 286. What did you think of Sandgren this week? Yeah, coming from the qualifying, I think he only had a couple of uh, of challenger quarterfinals this year. One of them in Fairfield, the most recent event. So, so perhaps there there is some sort of a trend to notice, but still, uh, I like the fact that he sort of reminded us that he's still a fairly talented player, of course, because when when watching him this year, I 
you know, I, I kind of forgot how good he was. Of course, he's still like a bit of an overachiever. The guy made a couple of Australian Open quarterfinals. How how did that happen? And I was actually looking at the at the routes he had there, and it's not like he lacked out there. He actually played, I, I think, three of his top ten wins of his four top ten wins uh, come came in these two Australian Open campaigns, which is just insane. And he had seven match points to get into an Australian Open semi final, which you know, thinking about it now is just so absurd. Uh, but yeah, after after going down three six zero two to Fanslow in the opening round, he just found a, a completely different gear as well. Uh, beat Holt, beat Shine, beat Kozlov. Kozlov was such a tough matchup for him. He lost all his all their five previous meetings on hard courts. You could clearly see that that you know, just like for many other opponents, Kozlov is just so uncomfortable for him. But after Kozlov led him back into the mat, into the opening set, and that five four forty, you know, Kozlov had five four forty zero on serve, and five set points. But after after Kozlov led uh, Sangren back, he played a much smarter, much more patient game from that point onwards, and uh, yeah, and it paid off uh, out of nowhere. But he's suddenly back into the top three hundred. I think he jumped one hundred and fifty eight spots. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is it is quite insane uh just so much a single title can change the, the landscape for him uh in terms of the ranking it did this obviously helped him a lot uh for kozlov it was his 10th challenger final first one this season starting with a win over canon kingsley then took out evan Zhu in straight sets came back from a set down against galarno and beat steve johnson who was your pick in the semi-finals there uh up up just one spot number 132 but I feel like actually looking at what he has to defend, because I think he has two titles left to defend, this might be key in him uh, sort of retaining his top 200 rankings if you sort of project down the line uh, or if you don't expect much of, much of, uh, much of him going forward uh, in, in this season. Uh, so yeah, a lot of points to defend. This was definitely key for him. What did you think of Kozlov this week? Yeah, top two hundred could be rough because honestly, like where is he? Where is he even right now? He's uh, one thirty two, and he has those two titles. Yeah, but he, he's already dropping one of them. I think um, this week. Yeah. Um, so I guess eighty points here and eighty points there, and yeah, and and even with one hundred sixty points of his ranking, he is uh, he will actually be around the top two hundred, which is insane when we look at his results this year. But then again, I mean, he he had a major quarterfinal at the beginning of the year in Delray Beach. Uh, on the Challenger tour, tour, though, before Las Vegas, he played 12 times this year and never, never went past the second round. Uh, and so, yeah, somehow he makes the final. Of course, it was a bit wild, but still it was more of the stefan kozlov that we enjoyed in the second half of last season that diving volley to save at the match point against johnson is definitely something like you know, one one of the best in the history of the circuit how do you even do it and then then get you know receive a medical timeout because because of the fall then still take it seven five in the third it, it's it's incredible and uh, yeah, as, as I said, until 5-4-40-0, it looked like he was just going to steamroll through the final as well. Uh, some decent points from Sandgren on these set points, but also a couple of uh, like forehand plus one uh, errors, dis despite not even trying to be that aggressive from Kozlov. So uh, some men some choking there as well. But 
for sure that this was one of the more more surprising rounds this this I even picked him to win one of the challengers earlier right um yeah so, yeah, yeah that, that was that was stupid but then again you know you, you can see that sometimes he's capable of, of this still and of, well, of course mean, oh, yeah. many things but once he shows you 12 times in a row that he's not capable of it is in that moment that true <laughs> i i did not realize that it was that bad i i didn't think that he was you know he never went past the second round even sandgren had a couple of quarterfinals and if you ask me who had the better season i'm not sure i i i think i would have just you know thought of them as the same hmm. We can get on to our semi-finalists here. Uh, let's start with Steve Johnson, uh, who came back from his set down against Gastel Eliash to win 7-5 in the third. Then beat Mitchell Kruger, got a retirement from Fikovic after the first set to reach his second challenger semi-final this season. What did you think of him? Yeah, honestly, I don't think he ever really played well this week. It was it was really a struggle against Eliash. Kruger just had a terrible performance. So I'm not too angry about this this one of my picks not going through. Although after seeing, you know, that that diving volley in the semis against Kozlov, uh, yeah, that hurt a bit because it felt to me at the time that Johnson was probably the favorite for the title. So, so that that hurt a bit, but still, uh, yeah, that that wasn't that Steve Johnson that I expected when I was picking him really. Uh, but no, still, still, still pretty huge for him to make the semis while not playing his best at all. For sure, I, I I definitely didn't expect to see him in the semis, even though if if the road wasn't that difficult. Um, we also had Shang in the semis, really battling the sweet beat, uh, beating Kozbinov, Perez, and Escobedo all six uh, six three in the third, his third challenger semifinal this season. What did you think of this run of Yunjing Shang? Yeah, it was definitely a struggle for him most of the campaign. And uh, with every single opponent, he seemed to end on like you know, not good terms. He seemed to end with a, a bit of a beef, which was also pretty wild. And I, you know, it, it's not the first time we've seen it, right? Shank has some attitude issues. Um, yeah, not I don't, I, just like Johnson. I don't think he ever really played his best this week, but was still battling through. So maybe not the the toughest road, but you know, beating Escobedo is is pretty fine. And yeah, I think that the the thing we will remember most about Shang's week is like not actually his tennis, but all the all the drama that happened in his matches. And I also wanted to give a quick shout out to Brandon Holt. He reached the, he reached the quarterfinals here, uh, beating Verboven and Kovacevic. Uh, so after that huge U.S. Open where he beat Taylor Fritz out of qualifying. Uh, he finally gets uh, a, a, a better challenger result because he had two uh, first round losses to Lestien and well, the same was on the major actually. He, he only lost to Kudla and Tiburon coming in. Never mind. I, I thought he struggled for a bit longer <laughs> uh, coming into this one. But over the doubles, we had Cash and Patton win once again their sixth challenger title this season. Uh, 10th professional final in 2022 if you count all their, all their futures. They've been insane this this year, uh, and they beat Franson and Stolder, for whom it was the third, uh, the, the the second and third challenger final, respectively. We can move over to Lima, where you were uh, excruciatingly close to getting a point, but Daniel Altmaier just took it away from you as he beat Thomas Martinez very six one six seven six four to claim his fifth challenger title. 
second one this season. Uh, his road was wild, starting with a 6-4 in the third win over Kicker, then uh, beat Agamemnon 6-3 in the third, uh, back from a set down against Rodriguez Taverna, uh, beat Korea in straight sets, um, but yeah, and, and then beat Echeverri 6-4 in the third. Up 50 spots, number 91 in the rankings. What did you think of Daniel Altmaier's week? Yeah, he was down like 5-7-1-4 against Kikar and 3-6-2-4 against Rodriguez Taverna. But then when he played Korea and Echeverri, I think these were two of his best performances in a while. Um, what, uh, well, before this, he was 1-3 in the South American swing, which was yeah, pretty drastic, especially given who he lost to, Boruchaga, Nagal and Bertola. Uh, but yeah, this gets him back on the right track. Uh, I don't think I was ever that close to the to the um, you know to getting a point here. I can't really be angry about that final because Altmaier was the better player f- for sure throughout ninety nine percent of the match. Uh, it was just really Echeverry being super resilient uh, that 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 kept him going there. But yeah, play wise, I don't think it was ever really close. So. As much as I would would have loved to get, gain a point here, I can't really be angry about it. All right, that's that's, that's a good view to to have on it. I I thought you were getting a bunch of points uh, since yeah we'll, we'll get on to Klein later. You also had him, uh, but he didn't win this week either. Uh, as for Echeverri, though, it was his eighth challenger final, fourth one this season, starting with a win over Koinski, uh, then beat Olivieri, Melijeni Alves, and Boruchaga. Uh, up six spots, number 83. Um, yeah, what, what did you think of his performance overall, though? Yeah, I, I didn't think it was that good, honestly. Both against Buruchaga and and Altmaier, I don't think he ever really played his game. Uh, he let them dictate way too much. I know there wasn't there wasn't that that, that explosiveness of the forehand that was sometimes uh, he, his best trait uh, wasn't really showing. But no, th- this is this is. More or less, what Echeverri has um, has done a lot of the 2021 and 2022 season, which he has gotten he has gotten us used to this that he's just gonna make quarterfinal, semifinal, uh, keep keep going. You know, he he's just gonna keep doing it. Of course, he made 15 challenger quarterfinals last year. I don't think he's quite at this sort of statistic this year because he also hasn't played as many. Uh, but still, he he keeps uh, yeah he keeps doing this, and if you make fifteen quarterfinals, you're gonna win a couple of titles. Yeah, he he has made a bunch though, but yeah, not, not eleven. Quite. I think it's eleven, but still about four weeks until the end of the season. I don't think he will play every single week, but it it's still doable to almost tie it. Close. We can talk about our semifinals here, starting with Federico Coria who began his run by beating by ending Max Hocus's run uh in the first round he won like 57 matches in a row or something 22 uh, I think but yeah that, that, that's that's the number uh so he beat him 6363 uh then he boosted doing the third and Betty Pericard in two tie breaks to reach his fourth challenger semi-final this season what did you think of Korea yeah, sure. I mean, that there's just definitely been a bit of an upswing in in Korea's game after for a while we were we were saying that you know on the challenger tour he looks like he doesn't care or maybe uh, maybe he has some motivation issues. But yeah, the, the last few weeks he's made a quarterfinal, semifinal, semifinal, and 
uh, even though he hasn't come close to to winning a title, he he's definitely improved by this point. And and yeah, may, maybe the the route of Pechi Pericard, Busa, and Hokes doesn't look that impressive for someone who's I don't know not following the Challenger Tour day in day out. But uh, it, it trusts you know trust us. It's definitely w- more huge than it seems. All right. Our other semifinalist was Boruchega. Uh, he came into the draw as a lucky loser, uh, starting with uh, a win over Arcon Huertas del Pino, lost to Jan Kojinski 6 1 6 3, but got a second chance. Uh, and he was really working for those wins there 6 7 7 6 6 3 over Reis da Silva, 3 6 6 2 6 4 over Tirante. 762664 over Milojevic. Uh so yeah, quite quite a depressive run, I think, to to grind out all these wins. What did you think of Borucega? Yeah, uh, this this was really so random given how he you know lost to Hoinski, struggled with Huertas del Pino in the qualifying too, and struggled with, with all these guys. And then actually against Echeverri, I thought he played one of the best matches I've seen from him. Uh was really able to, as as I said, he he was actually the, the more active player a lot of the time there. Uh, which is probably not what we expected, given Tommy Thomas' heavy forehand. But still, uh, yeah, the the whole run was very random. But when it actually came to the crunch, I think he played some excellent tennis in that semi. So, uh, well, he's still just twenty, of course. And then perhaps there's some uh, more exciting stuff from Puruchaga coming next year. I will also want to mention. Um, Giovanni Becci Pericard, who made the quarterfinals here, scoring some amazing wins for his standards. I think Navone, Olivo, and Ugo Carabelli in a row, not on altitude, because we sort of expected him to do well in Ambato, right? Uh, not on altitude. I was actually stunned when realizing that he only played three non-clay matches this year. But it, it makes a lot of sense, actually, that that so despite the massive servant forehand, this is where he is best at because he has so much time to set up for the backhand. And usually when it's faster, that, that motion is just, yeah, it's just going to be rushed and it's going to be uh, tough to to play against better players for sure. But you know, he, he was hitting through it extremely well here and beating guys like Ugo Carabelli, Olivo Navona, you know, guys like guys who really make you play balls. It's it's just huge for him and something I did not expect at all. Decision to pay uh, to go to South America is paying off dividends for sure. All right. I also wanted to mention uh, Meligini Alves reaching the quarterfinals here, uh, getting wins over Comesanya and Hiral Meltzer to break a six-match losing streak uh, and get his sort of first, or no, it was only a second win since since July when he beat Comesanya. Uh, so he's been in the, on the struggle bus, but got a couple of good performances here. What did you think of Melich and Come to think of it, like when you look at the draws that he got, I think he might be like one of the most unlucky players of that uh, July-October stretch. Blancano, Pospisil, Kotov, Pospisil and Kotov on hard courts. Uh, then he beat Collage and lost to Klein. Joao Souza, Kiker, Navone, Darderim, Pechi, Pericard. <laughs> That's that's rough. Uh, I, I'm I'm not saying he played well in most of these matches, but that's just really really rough. All right, and we can move on to <laughs> where we had Borna Goyo finally win his first professional title, uh, beating Lukas Klein in the final, which was unfortunate, I think, for both of us. 
But yeah, Bordagoyo had never won a title before. His biggest title on the international level previously, and his only previous title was on the juniors, a grade five uh, junior event, which is the lowest junior event you can have back in July 14 in Finland. I, I come through his junior results. I don't think he ever made the top 150 as a junior, so it makes a lot of sense that he he never got a bigger title than that. Uh, but yeah, this insane statistic of him ha having never won a professional title. And uh, he started his run here by beating Gigante, then took out Hanfman, Sepieri, Koboli, 6161, uh, before beating Klein. So all in straight sets, up 34 spots, number 148, breaking the top 150 for the first time in his career. What did you think of Goyo here? I'm going to, I didn't look at his juniors records, but you prompted me to check Andrea Vavasori right now. And Vavasori has no titles wherever, juniors. Oh. Seniors, he was uh, at his best as 687th junior in the world. And he has no titles in the juniors, no titles in the pros. Also in the top 200 right now, which is just yeah. absurd. Yeah, Goya wasn't even broken in Ortisei. Ortisei is like, it's running maybe even faster. It's just a nightmare to watch a lot of the time. But Goya was, yeah, Goya was even breaking his opponents. How many tie breaks did he play? I, I didn't even check, like two or three. Against Two. Klein, yeah, and against Hanfman. And he saved five breakpoints against Hanfman, one against the Pieri. So just, just really destroying the whole field. Um, yeah, not, not, not too surprising, even, you know, we, we all know that Bornagoyo has a lot of potential. Of course, he's performed in, in the, well in the past against higher ranked opposition as well. And yeah, on, on these Ortisei courts, it makes a lot of sense. And just like with, uh, just like with the Altmaier Echeverry final, where I also had the runner up as my pick, I think Goya was just the better player throughout. He was the he was the one creating all the chances on return. He was the one, you know, playing a much cleaner game. So I I, I think yeah, I, I cannot really be angry about it. Both my final both both my picks this week, the, the the ones that got to the finals, were like um you know the the odds for the finals were very close. I I also agree with the fact that both the finals were supposed to be very close, but so I. You know, I wanted one point out of it. I didn't get it, but both my, you know, both Echeverry and uh, and uh, Klein were were really outplayed. So yeah, can't be too angry about it. All right, yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, for Klein, his third challenger final, all in 2022, his first final loss um, after obviously the titles in what was it, Alicante and Troisdorf? Yes. Yeah, by um, the way, uh, there, uh, a month ago or something, a German listener whom I didn't, I don't think I ever really knew who the guy was, uh, but he uh, mentioned me on Twitter and said that the city where Klein won his first challenger title with uh, in is called uh, Trosdorf. Like there's no I in the, in the middle. Uh, and it's it's some sort of a German di dialect, uh, yeah. And he 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 asked if you know if if uh, if we wanted to like you know get that sort of info. And yeah, th thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, but I can't remember your handle. It was like a month ago, but I finally have the chance to introduce it. <laughs> well, hopefully we, we we get to remember that until we get to Trostov uh, again next next year. Trostov, I. Can't get it. Yeah, anyway, it's tough. It's tough. I, he even mentioned I, that most Germans would probably get it wrong. So you know that, that it was nothing, nothing really. Uh, oh, I I got it. It was Odin FK, 
and he said that yeah, uh, that the eye is complete uh, is completely silent. Yes. All right, uh, Klein uh, on his run here beat Mirza Basic, got a retirement from Neman Fatic in the second round, uh, beat Luca Nardi 6-1 in the third before taking on Vavasori in straight sets up 70s, most number 146, breaking the top 150 as well. What did you think of Klein this week? Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember if we talked about it on the show, but I always thought that these Ortizei courts aren't actually super comfortable for him because he, you know, that, that his strokes simply have pretty long motions. He likes a bit of time on the ball. Perhaps that's why he's also so good on clay, even even with that hyper aggressive style. Uh, but of course, the serve can still get him super far. But I think it it sort of showed in the in the final that well his play style was just much more reliant on net play than Goyo. It was he his ground strokes were the ones that were getting rushed, not Goyo's. And and yeah, but still a huge run of course for him. Uh, I think he yeah I think both Goyo and Klein broke the top one hundred and fifty with these with this. Uh, yeah, if, if I am to say who's gonna break the top one hundred first, I still think it's Klein. But yeah, at this point, it's it's pretty palpable that that both can do it. Yeah, I just wanted a, a quick. Uh, it's not a trivia question, but mm-hmm. if you had to guess, Lukas Klein sits in this ATP Challenger race thing. Uh, so if everybody's mm-hmm. from the Challenger Tour, where do you think he sits right now? Okay, yeah, he started in March, which is definitely a factor. But then he also has uh, like a couple of finals, right? Two finals, one, uh, two titles, one final now. So he can't be like at the level of Alice or Kachin, no, number eight. Number uh, number 11, which I think was actually surprising, surprisingly high for me. I expected okay. him to be a bit lower. Um, but yeah, he's he's right behind uh, Thompson, right ahead of Cecchinato and Tseng and Ugo Karabey. Uh, but yeah, certainly a very impressive season for Lukas Klein. All right, we can move on to our semi-finalists that we had in Ortese. Started with Koboli, uh, who beat Justino, Richard, and Lukas Rossol to reach his fourth Challenger semi-final this season. His first one since April, though. What did you think of Koboli? Yeah, Koboli had a very weird run because his his serve even looked huge against Richard and Russell, and I guess that's fine because well everyone can be a serve bot in Ortisei. If we went there, we'd probably not get broken in the opening set. Uh, but then he played Goyo and lost in forty five minutes, and he just looked like I don't know cow and ice, and you know he he didn't seem comfortable with it at all. So I I'm not really sure how to uh, how to understand this run, and well. I guess for a for a challenger played on such fast courts, he still has to be happy with the semifinals here. Yeah, our other semifinals was uh, much, you know, somebody we would sort of expect maybe Vavasori uh, in these conditions uh, came back from a sit-down against Marojan, took out Sandor Kopp in straight sets, came back from a sit-down against Tomasz Machac as well uh, to sort of delay his top 100 debut. I, I think, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know how inevitable it feels right now because Machac is is not getting these deep runs as we thought he might do. Um Baya for Vavasori is third challenger semifinal this season. What did you think of him? Yeah, Mah- Mahaj's uh, top 100 debut is actually not that inevitable at this point because he he sort of started dropping something. I mean, he he might have to do it in in November really because then in in January he defends that Tralgon Tralgon was it or Bendigo or whatever the title was. And then the Australian Open second round from the qualifying. So 
yeah, it's it's really not as uh, not as certain as it was before. I'm looking. Yeah, Bornagoyo actually had because uh, Vavasori was in the semis here. Goyo was in the semis, and we actually had the possibility that they're going to play uh, that they're going to play each other in the final for who gets their first pro title, which would have been amazing. Uh, that, that, that would have been like next level stakes in a in a final for sure. Yeah, I, I was uh, so I so I just checked if Goyo had any doubles titles, and he actually won two futures in 2016. Uh, Vavasori, of course, has a billion doubles titles in his career, so it wouldn't be, you know, that it would it would only be singles. But still, this would be a this would be a fantastic story, of course. Uh, it didn't happen, but yeah, certainly Vavasori is one of the guys we expect to do well in in these events. Not as big an upset uh, over Mahaj as uh, as the ones that Mahaj survived, you know, suffered in recent weeks. Uh, against Durasovic, Reberg, and Briant. No, not as big for sure. Yeah, I, I, actually looking at Makachi's situation now, even with the title, he doesn't get yeah. there. He's to 101 uh, if, if he wins the title in Bergamo. So it will have to be yeah, uh, an, an effort spread throughout a couple of weeks here. He really but... needs a strong November, and it's it's not looking great right now. But, you know, he, 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 did, it, he did it to himself, right? <laughs> He lost yeah, to and... Briant Reberg and uh, and Durasovic in a row. Yeah. Um, let's go over to the doubles where we had Denis Istomin win the title alongside Yevgeny Karlovsky for Istomin, his 10th challenger title uh, in doubles. First one since 2019 for Karlovsky it was his second title of the season. And they beat Bortolotti and Martos Gornes, uh, for whom it was the fourth challenger final this year. Together, they're number 10 in the race. They've been together throughout the season really uh all right yeah we have match of the week and upset of the week where would you like to start upsets we had some absolute stunners like noguchi beating thompson of course but also in in playford rubin stadium beating lee too how did that happen colin sinclair upsetting alexander vukic i think is a little overrated by the bookies i think sinclair you know sinclair has been a top itf guy for years so i don't think that was that huge but Statham beating two is definitely something uh, like that. Uh, also, Perez beating Kudla in Las Vegas. That's totally wild. Pinnington Jones beating Pospisil. I think Pospisil was your pick. Uh, yeah, of yeah. course, you didn't know who the who the qualifier was going to be. Uh, but still, I think one yeah, that's... I my picks this week have been... Quite horrible. It wouldn't I, really I, matter, like if if you if you knew that this was Pinnington Jones, right? You you never yeah, would have guessed that. I, I would not have changed my my take because yeah. of that. And I totally understand it. There's also one other big score according to the bookies, which is Busa over Dutra da Silva, which is just plain wrong, I think. Uh, that that seemed like a 50-50 or something. Anyhow, uh, if I have to pick, I understand why people would go for Statham over two, I think, but I am still going to go with Pennington Jones over Pospisil. That caught me off guard, even though the Brit, turns out, has some actual prospects. And and yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching him in uh, against Sangren later, even though he, he lost in two sets. All right, yeah, fair enough. I, I've gone for Noguchi over Thompson. It was just a huge shock for me, Noguchi, who had never made it past the second round before, to take out someone that we felt was was the favorite for the title in Playford. Big surprise for me. What have you gone for with for match of the week? 
Um, I'm not sure yet, so maybe you can start. I'll, I'll start. Um, it, it, it is mostly down to one point, but I have gone for Kozlov over Johnson. Uh, that's a final. Uh, it was, you know, a match of a lot of peaks and valleys. Kozlov had, I think, um, it was like break points for 5-2 and game points for 5-3. Uh, finds himself instead 4-5 four, four, and 30-40 down, down a match point. Uh, long rally, really long rally from the baseline. Then he sort of hits like an approach shot uh, slice, which was very interesting to be crossed. Um, Johnson tries to beat him, I think, um, down the line. And yeah, diving volley to to save his match, which was insane. Diving volley, which, by the way, led to him then getting an, a medical timeout because he stayed down after. Uh, I, I don't know what was wrong with him, but they, to get him a, a physio out, he had to take a full medical timeout mid-game uh, at Deuce. But yeah, he was fine afterwards, turned the match around 175 and third there. Yeah, I the, the reason why I wasn't able to, to pick yet is because I also had Kozlov Johnson in mind, and I was like, really? That's my match of the week? But I think yeah, I have I, to... I st- a better one for me, but... <laughs> yeah, I think I have to stick with it too. Like I, I, I'm not really sure what else to go for. I think one that had a lot of potential and one that I really enjoyed was Donskoy over Fields in uh, Brest. But well, uh, Donskoy led five three forty zero and on serve in the deciding set. Fields pulled off a comeback and then just played a trash awful game to lose the match, uh, which uh, which really like you know the took uh, to, uh, my enjoyment of the match after that. Well, after that, of course, there was no match, but uh, it really just you know sh- shined a different a different light for me. And um, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to go with Kozlov Johnson too. It was pretty enjoyable, like just watching Steve being so pissed off throughout because he just hates playing Kozlov, and then of course the diving volley and all the drama regarding that. Yeah. All right, we go on to our winners' picks where we are still at 19 to 20. Lucky for me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's. It's, it's all 80s, I think. Five challenger 80s. Yes. In Guayaquil, uh, where we have Federico Coria, the top seed, uh, facing off with Comesania. In his section, also the resurgent Melicheni Alves. Uh, he's also got Milojevic there or, or Pucine de Almeida. Um, second section has Juan Pablo Varias, uh, sort of looking for a bounce back, really. He starts against the qualifier. And then one of two Ecuadorian wildcards. Uh, we also have Rodriguez Taverna against Kiker in this section. Third section, Daniel Altmaier, obviously last week's champion, uh, starts against a qualifier, and then Juan Bautista Torres or Roberto Quiroz. Uh, he's also got Agamemnon in the section, Jesper de Jong. Um, and the final section is where the action is happening. We have Tomas Martin Echeverri uh, with three qualifying spots surrounding him, and that will become more relevant once we look at who, who is in the qualifying draw. Uh, we also have Juan Manuel Serundolo playing Meltzer. You also have Tirante in this section, so this might be a tough one to pick out of. In the qualifying, though, the big headline is Marco Cecchinato. Uh, yeah, late, I assume like a late entry, even though he was he was fine last week. I don't think he got a wild card for last week. Um, but yeah, wh- whoever wh- wherever he lands in the main draw, that will definitely shake it up. You also have uh, Drzewiecki or Matuszewski uh, still in the qualifying as well as Hokes. Um, Koinski is there as well. Seboshvild, Boruchaga. Going over to the doubles, uh, we have Balachi and Edun as the top seeds. 
Tirante plays with Torres, Drevitsky, Matoshevsky are teaming up together. Uh, De Jong and Hokes play Arias and Zeballos, and Andreozzi and Duran are playing Casanova and Rodriguez Taverna. But back to the singles, who are you looking at for the title here? Pretty tough call. As you as you said, there are a couple of fantastic names in the in the qualifying who might even win it all. I mean, Hokes has a very easy section to qualify from Buruchaga. Uh, the same, I guess. And Koinski maybe could struggle against Merida or Chekinato can I can't really see him struggling. And and yeah, all of them really can can land here and, and win this event. Guayaquil is not on altitude, which is which is definitely an important thing to remember. I don't know really because I, my mind is sort of thinking of Varias because he plays a qualifier and then one of the Ecuadorian wildcards. But then again, you know, what if it, what if it's Hokes? What if what if it's Chekinato? What if it's Koinski? Uh, last week we had this uh, well, a couple of amazing qualifiers as well, and they drew the worst. Po- <laughs> they were drawn in, into the worst possible spots because Hokes had Korea and Koinski had Echeverry. Uh, maybe this week it's it's gonna be like that again. Altmaier, I don't I don't want to go for him back to back. Echeverry is always a fair shout. Uh, he plays a couple of qualifiers in the first in the second round. I think he had a similar draw last week even. And um, well, again with the with the strong qualifiers, I don't know if I want to go for something like that. Serundolo is certainly an option, and I kind of I don't know. Uh, is he really capable of winning three out of four challengers that he played? Like, uh, you know, it's not going to be October anymore, but is he really capable of winning Buenos, Buenos Aires, Rio de Janeiro, making the quarters in Rio, winning Coquimbo, and then winning Guayaquil? I'm going to say he is, and I'm going to go with Juan Manuel Serundolo. All right. All right, interesting pick. Um, I had originally written down Barrias, but upon further inspection, I have decided to change my pick to Marco Cecchinato. Uh, oh! Than- <laughs> we, we have to do this once or twice a year where we take a qualifier. There was no better chance for me than this. Looking at the draw, it, it is quite tough. Like, yeah, it, it, it's a bit stupid. Uh, he will have to win a big first round after he qualifies. Because he's got, he could have Varias, Altmaier, Miligini Alves, or Echeverri within two rounds. Basically, that's that's the options for him as a qualifier. In this and round. also, he will have to play seven matches in seven days because Guayaquil starts today on on Monday. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm I'm going for it. Uh, I feel like Altmaier could be tired, Echeverri could be tired. Varias has actually not been that great. Um, so yeah, let's let's go for it. Let's go for it with Marco Cicchinato. Uh Let's go over to Charlottesville now. Once my draw opens, why is it loading on? <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's go to Charlottesville now, where Denis Kudla is the top seed. Uh, he faces Sebastian Fancelo. Uh, in his section also Emilio Nava, Facundo Mena, Nicolas Mejia, and three qualifiers. Second section, we have Yu Banks facing off with Alvarez Varona, could face Zachary Svaida in the second uh, second round. Fikovic plays Yuncheng Shang uh, in the opener, and then uh, Galarno or qualifier there. The third section is is very interesting with some fun names in here. Ben Shelton uh, faces a qualifier, and then either Brandon Holt or Tennis Sandgren, who's here with a special exempt. Uh, Stefan Kozlov also in the section. 
Uh, and then the final section, we have Michael Moe. He faces Ernesto Escobedo and then could play Job. You also have Kovacevic playing Enzo Kako and then could play Alafia Ayeni, who's here with the wild card. And the qualifying, we have some interesting matchups. Once again, Murphy Casson plays Strom Kirkheimer to qualify. Martin Dam uh, could qualify as well. He plays Leshem. Kenan Kingsley faces off with Aiden McHugh. Uh, Ulysses Blanche plays Donald Young. So, you know, some could, could be some interesting names out of qualifying. And the doubles, we have Blumberg and Withrow as the top seeds. Uh, also, Lawson and Sitak in their section. Galloway and Hachvedugo play Clark and Kovacevic. We have a huge first round here between Tred Huey and Max Schneer against uh, Julian Cash and Henry Patton. Big first round. As well as uh, an interesting first round with, with uh, more singles flavor here. Eubanks and, Eubanks and Shelton play Kozlov and Moe. Um, so some interesting stuff in the doubles, but back to this main draw singles. Who do you think is going to win this title? Yeah, lots of possible options here. Of course, Mo has been uh, huge recently, but I think his draw carries quite a lot of danger, especially that quarter, especially Escobedo in the opening round. You know, it's not that clear. Uh, I think there's certainly a possibility that someone like Kudla, even though he lost to Perez, just because his draw is so, you know, it isn't great right now. In general, the top half doesn't seem too strong. Um, you know, Shang is playing Fikovic. He's probably the favorite there. Eubanks could win it too. Emilionava. There's just a, a few guys who can win it in the top half, but in the bottom, there's much more, I think. Many, many more. Um, I think I'm going to go with Ben Shelton. I He wasn't perfect last week. Definitely not. But playing against Holt or Sandgren in the second round, I think I have to favor him. Um you know, Kozlov, Kruger, Queen, Gerg, they're all they're all pretty good. But I think I'd, again, favor Ben over any of them. At some point, he's going to win that first challenger title. I'm not sure if it's going to happen in Charlottesville, but it's certainly possible that it could. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Shelton. And, of course, indoor hardcourts, that should that should suit him more than, uh, than uh, the surface in Las Vegas. Yeah, uh, I've I've gone with that thing with that thing of this being an indoor event, and I have gone with Dennis Kudla. Uh, obviously, the first round loss to Perez not 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 impressive last week, but this is indoors. Uh, it is a, a pretty easy draw to sort of play himself into form, um, at, at least into the semifinal for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mo- mostly because of the draw here, I'm, I'm picking Dennis Kudla for the title. We can go over to Sydney now, where our top seed has withdrawn. Uh, Jordan Thompson is not in this draw, as I just found out. He has been replaced yeah. by Ajit Rai, uh, who will face Luke Saville in, in the first round. We have the qualifiers and like losers in here already. Uh, Omar Jessica could probably be the, the favorite out of this top section then. Uh, faces could, could face Max Purcell uh, for the spot in the in the semis here. Uh, second section, we have Lee Tu. Um, we also have Dane Sweeney. He plays Alex Bolt. Uh, in the third section, we have a rematch between Vukic and Sinclair, which should be fun. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, who it's, this it's going great now. Uh, I mean, the, it, it was interrupted due to rain, but Vukic is leading 7-6 and 4-2. We are recording this, by the way, on Monday uh, morning. So there's a couple of matches from Yokohama and a couple of matches from Sydney already going or... Yeah, already already done. 
Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so we have Vukic ongoing in that match. Uh, we also have uh, Gingel, who already won uh, a match in this section, could play Ryonoguchi. Uh, and in this final section, we or we have already had James Duckworth out of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, lost to Sikumar. Um, in this section now, probably the favorites could be Hijikata. If if he can go back to back, we have also Mark Pomans. He plays Statham. Uh, but yeah, tough, tough draw to pick out of. Um, we, we, yeah, we already went through the qualifiers because they're already in the main draw. In the doubles, quickly, we have uh, Pomans and Purcell. Uh, Bolt and Hijikata, Gengel and Suarez, the top seeds, they play Jessica and McCabe. Uh, so yeah, some interesting names. But back to the singles, who do you think will win this title? Yeah, I I don't usually do that, but I think I'm going to go with Rinki again. And oh, wow. I think this is one of the spots where we actually are going to sort of think about it differently because we have a couple of results already. Duckworth would have been... Well, maybe I'm not sure if I would have been picking him, but he would have probably like been uh, enough of a danger to Hijikata for me not to consider him. But then again, the, the, this whole draw, there's really not much here. <laughs> of course, Litu yeah. is an option, but he lost to Rubin Statham. Uh, Thompson is whom we both picked in play for because he was just you know so much better than most of the field. Uh, he's not here. And I think if, if if it's not Hijikata, it's going to get a bit random. Vukic maybe could win it. Of course, on, on you know, just on, on game, he can do it. But his recent months haven't been great. He was injured in the summer and lost to Sinclair last week. Uh, Noguchi Sekulic, you know, that I think Sekulic has a lot of chances there. Bold Sweeney, I don't want to pick out of this. Yeah, I, I, have, I certainly feel like I have to go with Rinki Hijikata. Uh, this week, I think he lost one set, right? To Duckworth, he shouldn't be that tired. And playing Shimizu, then stayed on Polmans could be tough. That's that's for sure. And yeah, but but if he gets through that, I really fa- fancy him to go to the semis and probably have his best, well, his toughest opponent in the semis, potentially. So I, I am going to go for this. Uh, and yeah, we'll see. But maybe I, I think maybe if Sassi, uh, I didn't already know the result of Mokun Sassi Kumar beating Duckworth, then maybe my pick would have been uh, something else. But I'm I'm not sure about it because I wasn't, you know, I, I haven't done the picking before. So. Yeah, I mean, Duckworth is the player that I had originally highlighted as, as my favorite in this draw. So that's that I'm not picking him. Uh, obviously, since he's out, I think the Hijikata argument is sound because he played like his matches were very short through, throughout the week. Uh, so the fatigue element will, will, will it come in as hard? We'll see. Um, I, yeah, you, you say make it a little weird. I'm gonna go a little weird. I'm gonna go with Omar Jassica to take advantage of Jordan Thompson's absence in that, in that top section. Uh, and yeah, I mean, lo- looking at the top half. He's 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 definitely up there for me with with Purcell and Litu uh, as the favorites to make it to the final. Uh, so yeah, I'll go with Omar Jessica to take advantage of this draw. Let's go over to Yokohama. Where do, do we already have a couple of results from there? Yeah, yeah. Three major matches have been completed. Yes. All right. Cool. Uh, so yeah, in Yokohama, we have Christopher O'Connell as the top seed. He faces off against Ramanathan. He will play in the second round if he wins Eri Kirkin. 
Uh, in this section, we also have Tunglin Wu, who has also made it to the second round already. In the second section, we have Damir Jumhur, uh, surrounded by some qualifiers. Jonathan uh, Miritha is the, is the one name I recognize out of the... <laughs> out of the uh, we also have Zdenia Kolach, play, he plays Jason Jung, uh, and then uh, could be Mochizuki or Shimabukuro. Third section, we have Watanuki already in the second round, um, after beating Nakagawa. Uh, we also have Yun Seung Chung, uh, Kaichi Uchida, and Seung Chun Hong, uh, who had a big run earlier this season. Uh, final section, we have John Millman. Uh, he plays Ichikawa, and then uh, could be Yonel or Ferreira Silva. Also in a section, we have Shintaro Mochizuki, um, Hiroki Moriya, Philip Dizanjianu. In the doubles, uh, we have Kaden Ramanathan. They actually face Jumur and Sedarusic, which is a pretty big first round for this draw. Uh, Namen Songar in here. Cornea plays with Ruben Gonzalez. Uh, JP Smith is here playing with Andrew Harris. Matsui and Wesugi are in here as well. We have to mention them every time. Uh, uh, Toshi Dematsu is in a draw, obviously. Uh, but back to the singles, who are you looking at for the title? I honestly don't know. There's again a lot of guys who could do it, I think. Milman, he did have a bit of a better run at the end of that South uh, Korean swing, right? But still lost to Hong, which was not great. Uh, but he he did look pretty competitive at that point, which I think could prompt me to pick him here. I you know at his best, of course, that section would have been super easy for him. He's not at his best though. Um, Jumhur being here is wow. He's probably gonna. I mean, all of these guys are probably going to play the whole Japanese swing sort of because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hongu Chida is a pretty tough first round. Watanuki, I, I don't know, seeing him in the second round already sort of tells me, oh, maybe you should pick Watanuki. Um, O'Connell, Ramanathan, that's that's pretty tough. Maybe Wu in the quarters could be very tough for him too. I think Wu should be there, given he plays Fujiwara or Imai in the second round. Or Shintaro Imai could stop him. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with John Milman. I'm not going to overthink it. I think uh, he was good enough in the at the end of the South Korean swing to to win this title, even if I'm not sure if I trust him, you know, fitness-wise as well, given he has to play five matches. But in Asia, he generally, I think, did well. He won a couple of challengers here too, I think. Kyoto, Taipei, Kaohsiung, or maybe something like that. All right. That, that's quite surprising to me. I'm going with Christopher O'Connell. Uh, he's, he seems the biggest favorite to me uh, in in South Korea. He started quite poorly, uh, but made the quarters in, in, in Seoul, only lost to Lee Tu, who obviously won the title eventually. In Busan, he beat Eubanks, lost to Michael Jack. I don't think there's anybody of the level of Michael Jack or what we saw Lee Tu do in Seoul in this draw. Uh, so therefore, I feel pretty confident going with Christopher O'Connell here. And we go over to Bergamo, uh, leaving, I think, the best, best for last, maybe. Uh, we have Michael Jag as the top seed. He faces up with Shevchenko. We also have Hanfman against Pirosh in that section. Vedasko against Rodionov. Uh, this second section is is wild. Uh, Barer plays Analdi. Zizuberg plays Liam Brody. Jelena Struf plays Koboli. And Mahach plays Luka Nardi. Uh, wild. We also have Van Reitemann facing up with Stryker. In the third section, Zizhen Zhang plays Giulio Tepieri. Uh, also Ginard and Uzmanov in that section. 
you know, Borges plays Josef Kovalik and then could play Denis Novak. We have Borna Goyo in the section and Nicolas Hari um, in the qualifying. Uh, I think they just started playing. Yeah, uh, we have Jason Kubler. Jason Kubler is the big headline uh, in in qualifying. Not sure why, uh, but he's he's here uh, <laughs> uh, trying to qualify for this event. Uh, also, guys like Delier, uh, Vitanen, Cem Ilkel, Marchenkov, Vavasori, Celik Bilek in the qualies, in the doubles quickly. Molchanov and Kureshi are the top seeds. Um, we also have the Sabanov brothers. Uh, Vavasori plays with, I assume, his brother, Mateo. Um, Brown plays with Shimon Valkov. Uh, and we also have Vyabavi and Pavlasek in here. But back to the singles, who do you think will win this uh, pretty stacked event? Yeah, this is definitely the place to be on the Challenger Tour this week. So many excellent first round matchups. As you mentioned, that, that second section is just insane. I want to yeah. watch every single match there. Uh, Mahishak Shevchenko, that, that sounds fun. Van Rijten and Streaker, of course. Zapieri and Zhang have just faced in, in Naples qualifying and was pretty good as well. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. It, it's it's a really fantastic draw. Kubler, of course, could do well when wherever he lands. Uh, we can also get another fantastic first-round match because of him. We're pretty much, you know, wherever he goes, um, unless it's that spot with two qualifiers. And yeah, picking out of something like this is just uh, fairly impossible. I think the, the fourth quarter is probably the weakest, but then again, do I think Nicolas Jari is winning this event? Not so much. My mind drifts towards Jiren Zhang, but he's playing Zapieri. You know, he, he lost a set to him in Naples, I think. It could be easier indoors, but it also could be faster. I think indoors on very fast courts, he hasn't fared that well in the past, especially at the beginning of the years. So maybe I shouldn't do that. And then who, then again, like who, who do I want to pick here? I, I'm going to do something. Yeah. Let, let's, let's go for something a little wild and I'm going to pick Dominic Stricker to win this title and to, you know, have some nice momentum going into the next gen finals. Uh, he's playing Van Rijthoven in the opening round, so it's stupid. But I think whoever you pick here, there's probably going to be like 10 arguments not to do it. So <laughs> let's go with Stricker. I was very proud of my Dominic Stricker pick because uh, I'm also picking Dominic Stricker. Uh -huh. uh, I, I did all this prep last night. Uh, I'm very him at a random. I hate it. Uh, but anyway, Team Van Rijthoven has not been that good recently on indoor hard courts uh, since like after this year's open stretch. Uh, lost to Munar, lost to Mikhail Imer, 6-1-6-2 in Florence. Uh, his wins have been over guys like Edler and Ferrari and Dukas and EFCF. Uh, so I think I feel like Stricker actually has a very good chance to win that first round, considering he beat... Uh, who did he beat in uh, Basel? He, he, he beat Cressy, and then he took off a set of Karanibusta. So I like him to get out of that section. Also, Team Adelaide and Jin Zhang actually played in uh, Challenger qualifying at the beginning of the season, um, which I found out as I was going through Team Adelaide in season uh, on back in like Forley or something. Uh, I just thought it was fun, but yeah, I, I like Stricker here to take advantage of this week fourth fourth quarter. I feel like he's the favorite to make it out of that third quarter. He should make it to the final. But I yeah, agree. Whoever makes the final will be very tough because uh, that first section, that, that first half, is uh, wild.
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think he, he certainly has a pretty decent chance to do this. I, I'm just always reluctant to pick Stricker because it's Stricker and, you know, sometimes he's just going to try to smash every ball and and lose in the opening round. But yeah, in such a in such a tough draw, I think he's certainly one of the one of the premium picks. Uh, yeah, and I guess that's it. Uh, we're gonna see you guys, of course, in a week. Thanks for staying with. Uh, thanks for staying with us until the end, and we will be back to discuss Yokohama, Bergamo, Guayaquil, uh, Charlottesville, <laughs> and something. Uh, Sydney, Yokohama. Sydney. Yeah, I forgot about Sydney. Yes, of course, I I forgot. Is it five different? We've got five events on five continents, right? I didn't even yes. notice before. Wow, that's amazing. Love it. I, I will probably tweet about it in, in, in a second or something. <laughs> uh, anyhow, yeah, again, thanks. See ya. Bye.